Let's get real, let's get inspirational, a little bit emotional, and let's shed some sunshine. This is the Sunshine Steven Podcast. Welcome! Good day and happy Wednesday! And welcome back, or to, the Sunshine Steven Podcast, where I am talking this week to Eric J. Brown, who is the author of All That's Left in the World, And we're chatting about that um, process and book and all that goodness. So, yeah, that's what we're doing this week. Be sure to check out the book. I'll put the links down below and everything. Let's get to it. Well, good day, new friend Eric, and welcome to the Sunshine Stephen podcast. How are you today? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm doing great. No, thank you for taking time. Um, lots to chat about, mainly your new book that's been out now for a couple... About a month. Yeah, <laughs> so a couple weeks, yeah. yeah, a month. Um, 2022 has started to fly by, so it yeah. probably feels like it's been out for a year because it's been it's been that type of year. Um, anywho, uh, always want to start out with letting you, because I don't want to steal your thunder or m- miss do anything you know wrong um let you introduce who you are um kind of let listeners know what you're about talk about any childhood trauma if you like social security number anything like that some light stuff that's yeah exactly (laughs) that's how we go (laughs) uh well my name is eric j brown um i am an author and i write young adult novels my debut just came out it is all that's left in the world It's a queer post-apocalyptic romance about two teens who survive a pandemic that destroys most of the world. And just about them, kind of their slow burn romance and also trying to, it's also a survival story as well. So, um, and I live in Philadelphia and I went to school for film and media arts. And quickly after that, I became an accountant. So (laughs) it was nice to um, get a degree in writing for media and then basically for nine plus years, not do anything with it. So I'm excited yeah. to finally be doing something with it. Yeah, that's a inspirational right there. Cause I know a lot of, yeah. a lot of people don't get the opportunity to use their degrees and it's like, cool, yeah. cool, cool. I, I went into debt for this. So <laughs> that's cool that you were able to come back full circle moment. Um, I mean, there's... I'm still in debt. So if Joe Biden <laughs> could maybe cancel some student debt. Yes. Really appreciate it. Every time they're like, they're pushing it back. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Keep pushing until like forever. That'd be great. Um, I'm sure Joe Biden's listening. Uh, President Joe Biden, if yes. you could please yes. get yes. on so I that. asked him to kind of listen. So exactly. Yeah. Make that a priority. Uh, mm-hmm. Perfect. So speaking of your book, um, I am one. I love thrillers and suspense um and queer stuff too so it sounds like a really um not I guess not suspense more of a most movies and books that you read that are post-apocalyptic might be considered horror if there's yeah. horror stuff um happen into it so but I'm always one and we'll get into this later that's very curious on what happens if the world does end I already yeah. know how I'm gonna react <laughs> Again, this is foreshadowing for questions I have later on. Um, so what right. prompted you to want to write this type of story? Um, how long did it take? Was it something you were like, it came to me in a dream? And then I was like, boom, let's go. So it's kind of, a, it's a little bit of fast and slow. So mm-hmm. I, was, I wrote the first draft of it in 2015. Oh, wow. And it was, it came to me because I was watching The Walking Dead at the time and they, it was still early in the show's run. I've since kind of dropped off on watching it. Um, but at the time there were no queer characters at all. It was just these straight people running into more straight people doing straight things. And it was very boring. And I was like, where are all the gay people? Where are right. the queer folks? I mean, I think that queer folks are pretty much you know, pretty, we're hardwired to survive the apocalypse. So I don't really, yeah. I I think probably most of the people in the Walking Dead universe, all the queer people, they were like on an island somewhere and living their best life. Yeah. It's probably going to be a spinoff one day. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, but I just, I wanted to kind of have, I wanted to figure out a story that was about queer kids surviving the apocalypse, especially 
teens right. who then need don't have like parents to take care of them they need to figure out how to live themselves survive themselves and also they are um one of them is figuring out his sexuality during mm -hmm. this whole thing so it's like does the collapse of civilization kind of help with that or would it hinder it so um that was how it started and then i wrote the first draft very quickly i was i took a like i had already scheduled a um, vacation for work so i basically wrote it all in one week oh wow and it was terrible oh. it was probably the worst thing i've ever written nah nah there's plenty of other things that are terrible <laughs> that i've written but um i knew it was when i finished it i knew there was something wrong with it i knew i mm -hmm. couldn't really figure out what it was but i knew that it wasn't ready so right. i just kind of let it sit there i went on i moved on with other projects um but Andrew and Jamie's story kind of would always kind of keep coming back to me. And I'd think mm -hmm. of new things and I'd think of ways to change it. And finally I had a breakthrough. I started adjusting the second half of the book. Um, I got one of my friends who I put in the acknowledgements. Her name is Erica. She gave me the best feedback was that in the original draft, like halfway through, they mm -hmm. kind of realized their feelings for each other and they kiss. And then the rest of the book is them figuring out mm -hmm. how the, deal with that Navigate but that, yeah she told me she's like they kiss too soon don't make it happen till the end so you can th you can all thank erica kincaid for okay. slow burn romance and if you hated the slow burn romance you can blame her yeah um, <laughs> either way we are coming for yeah. you erica. <laughs> but i um finally got my agent with it in 2019 and we decided we were doing a little bit more editing and uh went on submission with it in february of 2020 and then it sold on March 13th, 2020, which was oh, wow. the first that it was the Friday before Philadelphia lockdown. I'm so basically we, <laughs> yeah, we closed everything down. They let us have St. Patrick's Day weekend where everybody went out to the bars and then they closed on that Monday. So it was a very strange time to be selling a pandemic book, but. Oh, I bet. People, <laughs> I can see people now questioning, like, did he know this was going to yeah. happen? What does he know that we don't? The whole thing from like from when I wrote it till it came out was almost uh, seven years then at that point. So yeah. it was a while. Yeah, definitely a while. And then, I mean, the stars aligned. Not Usually you say that in a positive way, yeah. but like <laughs> being you know in the world as the stars a, crossed as a yeah, half crossed. yeah definitely and i remember it very fondly i've talked about it before in this uh this show and with friends and everything and i'm still bitter about it uh that lockdown that happened <laughs> yeah that mm -hmm. following monday i think it was that monday or tuesday was my birthday <laughs> so it was oh, like, really cool can't do anything yeah. now and i was like <laughs> wow awesome but i do remember going back to your point too um us gays me and my husband already shop at costco so i was like y'all are out of toilet paper that's funny i have a whole closet <laughs> i have plenty of hand sanitizer and hand soaps i was like uh, we have snacks we're good like what are y'all freaking out about so um that is it, it's ironic though that it came out around that time of yeah pandemic starting which is never never fun so i kind of going back i guess to your backstory as well too when it comes to being a writer, it seems to me like you've always wanted that goal, especially going to school for it um, and everything like that. Was there, which I know most people will say bills had to be paid. Was there a reason that you kind of went full force after being an accountant for a while? Or was it like, oh, I did some here and there just to keep that inner desire open? Or was it, let me shelf this and then come back to it? What was that like? So I, it was funny. I like, I always did want to be a writer, but mm. it was kind of in when I was in, it was one of those things I never thought, like, I was like, oh, that's something that people wish they could do. Yeah. It actually doesn't happen to normal people. And I'm a normal right. person. I'm not the main character of the story at all. Right. <laughs> so it was like, it just, it was inconceivable to, as me, to, yeah, to me as a high school student that I would ever right. be able to be a writer. And um, my, I was taking like film classes and I was really big into movies. So my mom had brought it up. She's like, why don't you go to film school? And I was like, wait, that's a real thing. Right. It's not just on TV. 
because this was still like you know, the beginning. Google wasn't even a thing yet. So it was right. hard to find all of this information. Right, all right. I had was TV and it was like Dawson's Creek. And I was like, <laughs> I thought they just made that up as a plot point for the show. Right, exactly. Um, so she was like, oh, why don't you apply to film school? And I applied to Temple. They had a really good film program. And I always kind of thought it was going to be me being a director or an editor. And I did an internship, uh, summer internship, in 2008 in LA with um, a small uh, film studio that's defunct now, but they made a couple um, small movies that you can still find on Netflix every once in a while. Uh, And they had me doing a lot of script coverage. So I was reading these scripts and I read the first draft, not first draft, it was probably one of the earlier drafts Mm -hmm. of the movie The Hangover. And it was so much more homophobic and Lovely. awful as like I'm glad that they changed a lot of it because yeah. it would not have gone I'd probably I'm not even sure if it aged well now because I haven't watched it since it came out yeah I don't um, so. <laughs> but it was just constantly I was reading these scripts and a lot of them I was just like these are so bad why are they so bad like so bad and so straight <laughs> yes I, that was definitely it too <laughs> And so I was like, I kind of started thinking about it again. And I was like, you know, I want to try and see about maybe getting back into writing. So I switched my major from just like at the end of um, our uh, junior into senior year, we Mm. can basically either do a generic film degree or we can um, specialize in either directing or writing. So I changed my specialty and I changed it to writing. And I took like a few... Uh, writing electives and I kind of found that love of writing again that I haven't really had in a long time and so I again tried to do that with when I graduated and I graduated in 2009 so it was the recession nobody was hiring I was even trying to do like television which is supposed to be easy to get into because they always need production assistance on tv right right but nobody was hiring so then I had to end up paying my student loan. So I came back home um, from LA and uh, ended up falling into accounting and I was fine at it, but I got a new job that basically laid me off in 2019, February of 2019, I got laid off. Lovely. And I am very lucky to have a supportive partner who makes enough money to support both of us because um, basically I, they laid me off on a day when we were, I was taking a half day because I was going to be going, um, we were traveling together mm. and they were nice enough to wait until about noon to let me know that I was not coming back from my vacation. So <laughs> I basically walked downtown to my husband's office and I was like, Hey, so don't know how to tell you this job anymore. <laughs> and Honestly, he was so great because he was like, good. I hated that job. It was a really hard job. It was like a 24-7, 365 kind of job. I was always working on vacations. I was getting called at eight o'clock on a Sunday and I would be yelled at if I was not answering my phone. So he was very happy and he was like, take whatever time you need to do, figure it out. And that was when I kind of buckled down and I was like, you know what? I'm going to finish this, this final, these final pass. I know this book is ready to be queried. I feel like this might be the one that I can get an agent with. And if not, I have this other idea that I'm going to finish too. So I sent out the query and I finished that other idea right as I was getting mm-hmm. uh, like a revise and resubmit from an agent. And I sent that to the revise and resubmit to both them and the agent that I'm with now. And both of them offered me offered, like offers of rep. So oh, good. it was very, it was very exciting. And it's just been kind of a whirlwind thing ever since because it looks like it took seven seven years to get here, and then all of a sudden, boom, everything <laughs> happened. Yeah, all at once. Yeah, which when you go on submission for a book, that's supposed to take months and months and months. Like right. it never moves that quickly. And my book went from February, mid February, to being sold in mid March. So wow. it was all very very quick. That's really awesome, though, and that um, leads to our next question, too, to kind of wrap it for other, I guess, not even, I always say advice to writers, but I guess it could be really anybody chasing the dream because you 
have a great testament to say, hey, it might take some time, but um, here I go. So what advice would you give to those? So I have a friend who she is a spiritual medium and mm-hmm. I'm a spiritual person. Um, I I don't think everything happens for a reason, but I think a lot of the things that happen in our lives are ways to kind of prepare you for the things that are completely out of your control and the things that don't happen for a reason. And um, of kind of like going through those down, downer moments Mm -hmm. and struggling. And I think it is kind of the universe preparing you for certain things in your life not going your way or maybe it's preparing you and changing you into a better person so that when you get the things that you want you aren't a piece of shit so it's like (laughs) that's how I always kind of try to look at it it's very 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 hard to do that when it's happening to you oh definitely um I know when I was getting rejected I was like you know what this sucks (laughs) I hate this there was never any time when I was querying, trying to get an agent that I was like, oh, well, this is a great rejection. I'm happy yeah. I have this one. No, it was never Thank like you that. so much yes. for saying I suck enough. And you <laughs> yeah. But it's just, it's kind of, I do think that it prepares you because you, even when you get an agent, you're going to have rejection. Like I got, I will say that I do like the rejections I get when I am, when I was on submission because mm-hmm they were very nice from editors and it was also it softened the blow because I had an offer very early yeah. that kind of forced everybody's hand so I think that's why it moved so quickly it basically within maybe a week or two after we had sent out the first round to everybody mm-hmm. um we got an offer for to buy the book and when that happens my agent tells everybody who has it hey we have this offer you need to yeah. submit an offer or figure out what you're yeah. going to do. And that's when all the rejections start to roll in. So it went from like hearing nothing until hearing no, no, no. Oh, five yeah. rejections a day kind of thing. But then I had that kind of to cushion the blow where it was right. like, all right, well, no matter what, I always have, I always this, have offer, this one, which yeah. is great. <laughs> and then there was like a couple other um, offers that came in that I was like, oh, good. So it's not just that one. Right. And so after I got, I think, two or three uh, offers, all of the other rejections, I was very happy about. I was like, oh, these guys are so nice. Yeah. This person was so sweet. Let's save them for another book. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I think I but I just I think that it's after that, when the book came out or when I when the book was coming out, I still have rejections from people who are reading the book, people may not like it. And I think it's important to ignore that. Yeah. <laughs> you can fall down that rabbit hole real quick. Yes. And it's, everybody has tastes. Like they, right. they just because this one person doesn't like it, doesn't mean you're a shitty writer. It doesn't right. mean anything. It just means the book wasn't right for them. And right. then you also have to think about how does this person read? Because some people don't read very well. Some people skim and that's all they do. So they have all of these issues with your book and they'll be like, oh, well, this and this and this happened. And I'm like, no, none of that happened. What are you talking about? <laughs> there was one person who wrote that um, they were like disappointed in, they were disappointed that I didn't explain who a character or I didn't describe a character mm-hmm. um, until over like 200 pages into the book. And I was like, no, I don't. I describe them in the on page twelve. Both of them are described on page twelve, and I like because it, it was a, that was a conscious thing that I yeah. really tried very hard to do up front because I used to not like to describe characters because I would let people kind of fill in yeah. however they want them to be. But I think that I've kind of learned that that is not how you should do it because that basically it creates a lot of um, like white people as default. And yeah. so it kind of erases people of color and black people from the story entirely. Right. So, um, but again, going back to just I go on tangents sometimes. No, you're going fine. back to rejections. Um, there's always going to be rejections. I mean, I'm okay. still getting rejections now because they're trying to do, uh, they're trying to sell film rights. And even them, I'll get every once in a while. It's like, oh, well, these people have passed on it. So we're going to these people. And it's just, 
I don't think it ever goes away. Yeah. But it's just kind of something that you have to understand that it's going to be there and you have to keep trying and pushing through. It's if you want it, you have to keep trying it because Definitely. it's going to happen to everybody, no matter what. And I mean, I may not even find a way to sell books later. Like right now I'm under contract for two books. It's just this one and the next one that they're um, going to publish sometime next year. And that's all I'm under contract for. They have an option for my third one, but if they don't want that, then it may be five more years before I have another book that comes out. So who knows? I hope it's not, but let's hope not. We're going to put it in the universe. It's not going to be, I want to be, I want to have at least one book every year. Yeah. If not more, but I think they only usually like one at a time because they don't want to oversaturate the market. Yeah. I suppose so. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I think that is a good um, lesson to have though. Like you, even if you make it like you're still going to have naysayers and things not going your way. 100, 1000%. Um, so I'm glad that you have that outlook um, the next question I'm always curious um, and it doesn't have to be one particular person it could be a group of people um, it could be uh, personal it could be you know famous celebrities whoever but who inspires you I think that honestly a lot of my inspiration comes from my friends. Um, I have a group of other writers who I've connected with since this whole journey kind of started. And it just feels great to have somebody who kind of understands things because with, especially with publishing, I think it's hard um, to talk to people who are outside of the publishing realm or outside of the book realm about the work, the way publishing works. It's Mm -hmm. a very complex thing. It's very antiquated. It is, it's it's complicated. It's just, it's, it can be annoying. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And it's just nice to have friends who are going through it and are also at different areas of their, Mm -hmm. of the career Um, because you can't, no matter how much you try, you can't emulate somebody else's career because that's their career and you right, can't right. hold yourself to that. But you can kind of get ideas from them. Like you can get, um, see how they handled something and like you can prepare yourself to do it either a similar way or a different way or learn from their mistakes or learn from their triumphs. And I think that is just the where I get all of my inspiration now is just from being able to talk with them and support them. And also they're putting art out into the world. So every time I get to read one of their books, I feel special and amazing too. So yeah, that's always it. Yeah. That, that core set of support group is always, um, especially I feel like everybody in the world has learned that (laughs) when these past couple of years, (laughs) to to make sure that we keep them close and, um, uh, you know, still communicating and stuff like that. Uh, so I always, and I have to make sure because I wrote them down so I don't butcher them. I have rapid fire, silly questions, really just to get to know you more, let listeners know you more. Two, I kind of created towards you and your book. And then I have a whole bunch of random ones written on cards. So I'll just pick a few and go from there. But the first two are specifically for you. So if your book, All That's Left in the World, had a soundtrack, what are a few songs that would have to be on that Ooh, soundtrack? That means I get to bring up my playlist here. Boom. <laughs> I actually have an entire uh, so playlist that I have made. Um, so first of all, there's Nina Simone is on it um, because she has a, there's um, a part of the book that she has brought up specifically mm-hmm. and the two characters are listening to Nina Simone. Um, I also have, I have like, there's a whole, my whole playlist is um, basically Nina Simone and then like a little bit of this like retro Americana kind Mm -hmm. of feel to it. 
Um, so there, I have things like Orville Peck is on there, um, first aid kit. And then I would also want um, the, I think my agent's um, former assistant mm-hmm. was messaging me. Um, I think she moved on to a different job after, shortly after I signed with him, but she was messaging with me on Twitter and said that her partner was playing The Last of Us and mm-hmm. how much that this that those themes kind of went with the book. And so I'm not good at playing video games, yeah. but um I I have like I'd seen things like that. I know it's coming out as an HBO show. So what I did is I watched a playthrough of the the game on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And then the second one came out while I was um editing the book. And so I watched that one too. And I have to say like that was the most emotional storytelling I had ever seen from a video game my entire life oh, wow. by the time I was at the end of it I was like sobbing at my computer screen so anyway I have the um the score from that on there yeah. as well so I think that at least would be all on that yeah that's a pretty solid soundtrack yeah. it's nice that you had that prepared too because yeah. <laughs> would be like ah that's a great question let me <laughs> go through the rolodex of the billions and billions of songs out there in the world so uh cool that you had that uh the this this kind of is the foreshadowing i did earlier if the world were to end what stereotype or trope would you fall under would you be the first to go the person that makes sacrifices to help others continue their journey or would you fight to survive until the end i hope i'm not the first to go but i'll probably be the first to go i think i would probably be the second one i think i would be the one who sacrifices in order to let other people go but hopefully i would be like oh i'm sacrificing myself i like that uh that trope now they're kind of subverting it a lot with um i think they did it with uh the second to last star wars one that just came out i'm really bad with their names because i'm not like a big star wars person but i've like i've watched all the movies yeah um but when um, which one was it? He like tries to sacrifice himself and then Rose, I remember her name. She just like cuts him yeah. off and stops. And I always hate that in like sci-fi and fantasy when there's yeah. a character who's like, I'm going to sacrifice my life to save everybody. And it's like, why? There's like 18 other options that you could right. do instead that you could still save everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's what I would want to be. I would be the person who is like maybe tr- about to sacrifice myself and then I go wait no I'll just no, I don't have alligators to. out of the left field right here, throw <laughs> exactly. them at somebody. Boom, you're like done. wait I was written into the sequel I can't sacrifice yes. myself <laughs> yeah I would like to think I'm the second one but I'd probably be the first to go <laughs> I, I mean if it's a post-apocalyptic chances are we're gonna be the first ones to go anyway so yeah. I'm so yeah I'm I was thinking of like the handmaid's tale and I'm like well <laughs> I'll be on the wall, y'all. <laughs> that's it. Oh, yeah. If it's anything, <sighs> but I'm also. Oh, that's right. You're in Florida, so yeah, exactly. Be, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, if the world ended, I feel like um, everybody would rally and say, "Cut Florida off. <laughs> just, just let them go." <laughs> so it's be... the opposite of what's happened in my book. Right. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. They. Uh, it's funny because I always talk with friends and stuff because we always come up with hypothetical stuff, and I'm like, I am not one. There was a zombie outbreak and stuff like that. I, I'm a lover, not a fighter. I'm like, I'm good. I'll just stay here. I'm not gonna, you know, if I'll starve, it is what it is. <laughs> Going out with a bang. Like, I don't want to go out and try to have 8,000 seasons like The Walking Dead about me trying to survive. All these that was why I stopped watching it too. Because I was like, <laughs> oof, this is getting way too bleak. It's the same thing over and over. I'd be like, you know what? I'm good. Right. I, I would <laughs> Like, I'm all of a sudden like, oh, yeah, when they all stayed at the CDC in the first season and they just blew themselves up, that was a good plan. They right. should have all just done that. Yeah. I'm yeah, I'm like, oh, this is too much. It's similar with The Handmaid's Tale because I... Now when I stopped watching as well, it was yeah, too dark. Meanwhile, it got really dark and then I was like, oh, I don't see... It's like dragging out and there's some... Yeah. Nope. Yeah. I was like, I'm not one to, to fight. All right. Now these random questions. Uh, <laughs> 
I'm so dumb. I came up with these. Uh, well, me and Google. If you were the eighth dwarf in Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, what would be your name? It would be... I would be like the weird tall dwarf. Like I would be <laughs> taller than all of the other ones. What's what's a word that ends with Y that means sarcastic? That's what I would be. I don't know why I was sarcastic. Like yeah, <laughs> bitchy. That's it. Bitchy. I would be bitchy. I, I would bitchy. be bitchy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's just bitchy, y'all. Don't worry. Uh, what is one thing on your bucket list? I want us to be Aurora Borealis. That's one always been something that's on my bucket list but then yeah. i also don't like cold that much so it's going to be difficult i don't know yeah. how it's going to happen like can i be in a heated <laughs> surrounding yeah. and then it's like I, I i only usually get to travel around the holidays because my partner's job is like high it's very intense and the mm. only time he ever gets like a little bit of a lull is at the end of the year around the holidays and so i just like just thinking about flying up to like Helsinki or whatever just sounds like it would be really cold and yeah. dark and I'm not sure just I'm not sure if yeah. seeing the northern lights is going to happen but it's something I want to see yeah. I just every time I get like a notification from the weather channel app saying like oh the northern lights could be visible on the eastern seaboard I'm like nope it's cloudy nope so <laughs> They're like, but you could see it if you come and freeze your ass off yeah <laughs> maybe not <laughs> Uh, would you rather go to a water park or a haunted house? Haunted house, definitely. Oh, <laughs> I don't, I don't like water parks that much. I like it. Just it's a lot of waiting in line to go down a slide, and then you have to go and do. I know uh, the lazy rivers are fun. I like that. Yeah, part. that's a given. Um, also, I clearly haven't been to a water park in a while. Because I feel like there's probably more than just slides in a lazy river these days. There's wave pools. I don't like wave Pro- pools that much. Probably about that. I I think after you know Rona happened and everything, I'm more yeah. self-aware and I'm like, yeah, this doesn't seem sanitary. I don't want to be in a pool with like all these other people yeah. and kids pooping and peeing themselves. Because yeah, I mean, I know there's plenty of chemicals in there, but still, yeah, man. no. I went, uh, I I was suckered in to go with my nieces and nephew to a water park because one in Jacksonville, it's a local one, is closing down, but they were supposed to close down December and they're like, still kicking, we're going to be open this summer. And I'm like, was this a Mm. PR tactic? But yeah, basically, (laughs) we were in the lazy river and my niece said, what's that? And it was a Band-Aid floating (laughs) So that's the other thing. For some reason, the first image in my head with a water park is a wet band-aid. Yes, so that's, exactly. a, that's why it's a no. I was like, mm, let's get out. Uh, <laughs> what is your favorite hobby? Clearly not going to water parks. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it. I can't even say writing anymore because I'm being paid to do it. Right. Nice. Because it's, it's also like, that's now one of those things that I don't even know how to do anymore, it seems like. And that's the that's something they don't tell you that happens with your second book is that you forget how to write a book yeah it just it's gone you're like i um, thought i only had to do it once yeah. <laughs> baking i like baking a lot i'm a really good baker um i don't know why because you are supposed to follow recipes for baking and i follow recipes but I, i'm not really like you're supposed to measure everything perfectly. Yeah. It has to be all perfect because it's like chemistry. Right. And I wasn't good at chemistry. But for some reason with baking, I can just be like, mm, yeah, mm. that's good. Spices, I'm just like, eh, whatever. That's way too little. Half a teaspoon of cinnamon. No, we're going <laughs> to do this much. So I think I have good instincts for baking because most of the time things come out pretty well. Yeah, I do not. My husband is the baker because... Yeah. I screw up. I'm not a cook. <laughs> I admit that. I'm like, um, I will screw. I will try. I will follow a recipe to a T and it still tastes like shit. And I'm like, I don't know what happened. <laughs> I tried real hard. <laughs> and he's the same way. He's like, I'm going to doctor this up. Oh, I want to put more and this and that. And it tastes so good. And I'm like, oh, this meatloaf I made tastes like pure salt. Cool. <laughs> cool. I think it's an instinctual thing. That's yeah. what it is. I, I do not have that one. My <laughs> 
but I'm like, I enjoy the treats though. My husband's like, I'm going to make cookies because uh, I want to try this new recipe. And I'm like, oh no. Oh no. Who's going to say no? <laughs> yeah. Uh, last question for the random rapid fire. What is the first thing you do when you wake up? Go, Go home. home. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I, yeah. Such a stupid answer. I check my email. I was Let's pretend say, like, like that's true? not it. Because I feel like it's everybody's what's the second thing you do (laughs) uh i pet my dog there we go that's that sounds nice yeah because the second thing is i check social media (laughs) right oh yeah (laughs) see my uh we have two dogs and my one she oh she will wake us up when she's ready and i'm like okay i'm forced to and she does get grumpy like if i check my phone or get my phone she's like no 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 this is me time. <laughs> Put it down. So she keeps me in check. So my dog is that. lazy. He sleeps 22 hours a day, probably. If that's at the least. Yep. And so I'm like, when he, we wake up, he'll stay in bed until I get out of bed. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, good. Feed me. And I'm like, no, yeah. we, we take care of the humans first. We stay back yeah. on the bed. Exactly. Yeah. That's how our other dog is. He's old man Leo, we call him. His name is Leo, but he's old and all. He does want to sleep. Wait, they will. I'm like, can I go to the bathroom? And they'll be at the door like, are you done? I'm hungry. <laughs> Dogs are the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mental health, <laughs> that is something that I talk about. I know what a segue. Uh, <laughs> mental health is something I talk about a lot on the show. Um, big advocate trying to end the stigma and talk about it more. So I always ask anybody that comes onto the show, what is something that you're willing to share um, that you do to keep your mental health in check? So I am very lucky to have been raised by a mother who is a therapist. Oh, wow. Um, Score. A lot of coping <laughs> mechanisms. Um, I know a lot of like media shows therapists as like children of therapists is like being super damaged, but my mom is not a doctor. She is an LCSW, which I think is better. Yeah. Um, and she would agree, I think. And I know my favorite thing that she told me was it was during the pandemic. It was the be- beginning of it. I mean, um, cause we're technically still in it. Uh, the, like it was just, I was, like all of us just being at home and not being able to do anything. It was just constant doom scrolling. Also 2020, we remember how fucking awful it was. So it was just (laughs) every day it was something new and awful. And so I was just talking to her one day. I'm like, I don't know what to do. This is really sucky. This is really depressing. I'm like, I, I'm not sure I'm like supposed to be happy right now. Like my book just sold. This is something I've been working on right. for years. Why is everything so bad all the time? And how do I stop myself from doom scrolling and like just spiraling? And one of the things that she told me to do was let yourself do it, set a timer and schedule a time every single day where you have 20 minutes. She said 15, but I was like, fuck it. It's 20. 20 the world's yeah. ending. I'm doing 20. And just have that 20 minute timer where you are doom scrolling, where you're like doing a deep dive on Twitter and seeing all the awful things happening in the world, looking at all of this shit in Ukraine. Just do that for 20 minutes. And when that timer goes off, you stop and you go on, you do something else. And what happens is you're going to be doing whatever it is that you're going to do. And you're going to think about it again, where you're going to try and go on Twitter and do the scrolling again. And what it does is to retrain your brain so that when you catch yourself doing it, you go, no, I already did this today. Right. And then you kind of move on to something else. And it sounds simple. It sounds like very, um, it also sounds kind of impossible because it's like, we're all, you're always going to go back to your phone. You're always going to be doing right. these things and you're going to get alerts and everything, but it's, just retraining your brain to kind of stop yourself when you're doing this damaging behavior, which doom scrolling is. And it's just, eventually you may not even need that 20 minute timer anymore because you'll catch yourself and be like, I don't want to do this. But then if you are all of a sudden going back to that hour, two hour long doom scroll, Mm -hmm. that's when you start setting the timer again. You say, okay, I have 20 minutes. Yeah. (laughs) 
And then that's it. Just spiral for 20 minutes. And then when you start to spiral again, you say, nope, I already did this today. And then you figure out something else. And sometimes it takes a while. It took me probably like a month and a half before I actually started working because I was sitting there on my phone going, oh, I already did this today. Yeah. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Still already did this today. Yep. It does get that way. It's just kind of forcing yourself to rethink how you do these things. Oh, yeah. It is. It's very, um, what a smart mom, me too. Um, It's something too during the pandemic where I was a lot more alert and attentive to when I got my screen time report on my iPhone each week. And I was like, what do you mean I spent six hours on Facebook? Like, all I remember was like looking at sad stories and getting depressed. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. oh, wow. So that is something I, I think I might incorporate into my everyday life and say, okay, here's 20 minutes to, because especially now too, because the pandemic's not over and everything in Ukraine and everything, like we said, was not. That's fun. the other thing. If you can just get rid of all social media. I mean, I, <laughs> so hard. I I'm on there just because of, I, I'd like to post stuff about my books and everything. Yeah. Um, and now I'm on TikTok because of that as well. But I will say, yeah. It's one yeah. of those things I, I I don't want to do them. I I do like doing a couple of the videos in TikTok. It just it stinks when like you put effort into something and then it flops. Yeah. It's like, well, why did I waste three hours doing that? Correct. So. And then you have some never mind, I won't even go on a tangent. <laughs> <laughs> if you can delete social media, delete yeah. it. Get rid of it. Yeah, I try. I'm like, here's my podcast. Here's some books I like. And then I'm on TikTok and <laughs> even on TikTok, I'm like, oh, this is really fun. I'll watch videos to make me happy. And then I'll go mm-hmm. on something like, you'll never believe this sad news. And I'm like, nope, <laughs> like, I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. So uh, that's something I have to start setting a timer for because that I just kind of click through the whole oh. time. And I'll just be like, oh, I've been doing this for an hour. Oh, an hour. Yep. Me too. <laughs> Only an hour. <laughs> Oh, only an hour. And then keep going anyway. <laughs> yeah. Me and my husband are really bad. Like we'll go, we'll be like, oh, we're so tired of watching TV. You know, we finished an episode of whatever. Let's go to bed. And then it's like two hours of like TikTok scrolling. <laughs> and I'm like, what are we doing? We're still like watching. <laughs> We've gotten really bad. And he, I know he, he, it, eh, he, who cares, but he, he will send me like, haha, look at this video. And I'm like in the bed, I'm like, I'm right here. <laughs> like he could have just said, "Hey, look at this." So TikTok is a like my partner sends me something, and I'm like, "Yeah, I saw that on TikTok two weeks ago." Literally <laughs> all the time. stuff from Instagram, which filters. I think it goes like TikTok to Twitter, and then Instagram, Instagram, and then Facebook. One. Yeah. So if your family sends you something from Facebook, you're like, "Yeah, I saw that on Twitter. I saw that eight months ago." Correct. Yeah, they're like, "Look at this reel on Instagram." I'm like that was on TikTok. Like two months ago I saw that already um which is funny there is sometimes though again he's whatever <laughs> I'll send him something and like look at this or I'll even tag him on Facebook or I send it to him on Instagram and then he will tag me or send it back and say oh lol look at this and I'm like I just sent this to you <laughs> you got this material from me oh, husbands <laughs> uh recommendations this is always a point um besides your book of course what other recommendations do you have for movies music tv shows podcasts or books that you're obsessed with right now or something it doesn't have to be new um it could be something that you're like anytime i get a chance i'm going to tell people to put this into their life what recommendations do you have for books i have um the loophole by nas it is a queer YA uh, about this um, gay Muslim kid who ends up, um, his ex-boyfriend is missing and he ends up meeting this girl who may or may not be a genie and gives him three wishes that never end up working. And it's just about the two of them going on this cross-country, like international trek to find this missing ex-boyfriend. And it's so sweet and it has such a great voice um also a little bit country by brian d kennedy it mm-hmm. is a, about two queer teens in a uh dollywood-esque theme park 
here for and it. they're just kind of like falling in love while working in this theme park it's so cute i loved it um tv i am i'm always behind on tv because we kind of we like always keep ourselves um we can only watch a certain amount of yeah tv per night and i we're just like halfway through euphoria now the second season Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, I'm like on the fence sometimes. And I'm like, this is a really well done show. And then other times I'm like, what is happening here? Yep. Uh Uh-huh. It's just like. I don't know what episode um, you're on. But I feel like they have, I I feel like they probably just spent like $185,000 on prosthetic penises for one episode in season one. And ever since they've been like, hey, how can we write a scene to get another dick into it yep. so we can keep <laughs> reusing these? Because it's like every episode has dicks. I'm not complaining, but they right. are prosthetics. So, Except for there was the one actor <laughs> who made it very clear and on record that was like, that's my real wiener. And he was... Which one? <laughs> I think it was in episode one or two of season two where Cassie is hiding in the bathtub and the guy comes in... <gasps> Oh, and he's like, hey. (laughs) That was fake. Nice try. He's a liar. I was like, okay, that's kudos to you if that's real. (laughs) Yeah, there is a lot. And I guess it's because of culturally, we're not used to seeing so many dicks on screen. (laughs) So I watched the first season and then kept telling my husband about it for months because I didn't watch it in 2019. And I'm like, you have to watch this. So I started watching it this year. And I told my husband, like, oh, this is really good. You should watch it. He was like, mm, I don't know. Mm, I don't know. And I'm like, okay. And then I play one of the songs from it. And he goes, is that Sunday? And I said, yeah, she's in the show Euphoria. Oh, I have to watch that. I love her. And I'm like, that's all it took. That's all it took. You watch <laughs> the this. same thing happened with me. I watched the first <laughs> season when it came out. And then um, I, when the, when the second season started, mm-hmm. I started watching, I watched like two episodes and then <laughs> all of the memes started happening everywhere. And my husband was like, should we watch this show you for it? I was like, we, bitch, I'm I watch it. <laughs> yeah. Sure. I guess I'll start over from the beginning and watch it with you. <laughs> yeah. I had to do the same thing. And I was like, all right, like we got to catch up because I think I did watch like two or three episodes of the new season. I was like, all right let's go i'm ready you know one show that i never hear anybody talking about it's on netflix it's a brazilian show it's called kissing game i thought it was so good it was like it's this small town in brazil and uh this virus starts to spread among the kids oh lovely and Yeah, and this this came out in 2020 as well. <laughs> and so it's this virus that um, starts off as just like a sore on their mouth. Mm. And then it slowly like makes them go blind and it makes like changes their um, their like personality. Mm. And then eventually they just shut down and die. And so it starts spreading amongst the kids. So it's a and it's show. about, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's about just these, this group of friends who are trying to figure out why it's happening. Mm-hmm. And it's very bizarre, but it's done really well. And the acting is all fantastic. I mean, I don't speak Portuguese, but everybody like seemed like they were acting right. amazingly. <laughs> um, and it was just such a cool idea, the way yeah. they did everything. And it ends up becoming this really great um, like social commentary, especially on um, kind of just conservative values. Mm-hmm. And like the main character is queer and he's in love with this older man in this place and uh, who's closeted because of his job. And it's a small community and they're all right. supposed to be religious people. And um, it just is a really, really, really cool show. But it's six episodes, I think. Oh, and wow. a couple of them are like, 30 minutes long at the Mm -hmm. most and some of them are an hour but it's on netflix and everybody should check that one out yeah um i also uh i was just on vacation and i watched coda on the way home which i know is not saying a lot because it just won best picture but 
I watched that and basically sobbed my eyes out for maybe 20 minutes of that movie. And it is really, really, really feel good movie. And I think I needed to watch that. Oh, good. Everyone should watch that one. Yeah, I definitely. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I was like, I don't know what this movie until it won Best Picture. And I was like, oh, okay. I guess I can add this to my list because I wasn't honestly, to be fair. I didn't even know the Oscars was happening until the whole Will Smith thing happened. And then I was like, whoa, <laughs> so, the Oscars were I was in, I was actually in Spain. That's where we were on vacation. And I usually, I'll watch the Oscars if they're on. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, sure. Because I, I love movies. And I just recently, all the movies that ever always got nominated, I was just kind of like, eh. And then yeah. when they added in all of the, like the blockbuster ones, I was like, mm-hmm. now you're just, these, are, these have no chance thinking, of winning yeah. ever. You're just throwing them in. And because, you know, the Academy people, they're all snobs. Yeah. And so when I I woke up, (laughs) that too. (laughs) When I woke up, it was like, it it was on it. It started at 2 a.m., I think, Spain time. So when I woke up, all of my Twitter moments are in Spanish. And I don't speak Spanish, but uh, I just see Will Smith. And I see all (laughs) of these headlines. And I saw him going up to... Chris, I thought, accept an award from Chris oh, Rock. Yeah. And I went, oh, I guess he won. <laughs> I saw Rock too. And I just assumed it was about Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs> and so then I saw the video and I went, what oh. did I miss? <laughs> and I'm very glad that I missed it. Cool. <laughs> and then um, I don't speak Spanish, but I can kind of, I understand it. And my mm. husband is fluent. And we were at, we went out for a glass of wine before dinner and those guys were next to us. And uh, I all of a sudden hear them talking and then I hear them saying Will Smith's name and my husband's over. He's like, they're talking about Will Smith hitting Chris Rock. <laughs> like, yeah, I can tell. What? And they're like showing things like even there, everybody was still talking, talking. about it. Wow. Yeah, it was. Yeah. What an interesting Oscars this year, which a yeah. kind of. It kind of stinks though because it did overshadow a lot of yeah it's a know, shame, winners and, and it's stuff. It's like it's one of those things that's like such a nuanced. There's so much nuance to it. Like there's so many layers, and yeah. it's kind of like everybody loses in the whole thing. It sucks. Yeah, you know? and you have to get dressed up and sit there and no. <laughs> but if anybody wants to give me an Oscar, <laughs> I will still <laughs> gladly go accept it. I won't slap anybody. That's for sure. Um, I might. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, then you get 10 years off, evidently. So, yeah. So. Screw it. <laughs> awesome. Um, any other recommendations before I move on? I don't want to. Um, I think uh, I know as soon as all right, we stop this, I'm going to like have you're going to be like, wait more. <laughs> <laughs> I should have said this. I know. <laughs> it, it is no, what no, I'm, no. I'm that type of person too. I'm like, oh, I can't think of anything. And then at 2 a.m. when I'm done scrolling through TikTok being like, oh, wait, <laughs> everybody should watch this or see that. Um, awesome. So I do want to give you a second, though, to plug any projects that you have going on. Put your social media out there, your address to your home if you want to. Tell people oh, yeah. where they can find you. Um, so you can find me. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And they're, of course, all different um, screen names because... Yep. There's a few other Eric Browns in the world. Um, shout out to them if they're watching this. <laughs> Give me my my name back. Right. I'm the more famous of us, I think. So yeah, I think it's time that I just take it. You guys can have it. Rightfully um, But if you go to ericjbrown.com, you can find all the links there. Uh, or if you just search me, I am, again, the most popular out of them. So I think I'm usually the first one that comes up. Um, and if you follow me on TikTok right now, I am trying to pitch my book every single day until it sells enough that my publishers ask me to write a sequel because a lot of people are asking me to write a sequel. And when they bought the book, they bought just it as a standalone Mm -hmm. with no real intentions of turning it into a series or a sequel. So my next book is coming out next year, but is completely different. It's a, I pitched it as Empire Records in an old folks home instead of a record (laughs) store. So it's also it's going to be a lot less apocalyptic and it's a little more romantic and cute and funny and yeah 
So that's good. Well, awesome. I'll definitely put those links down because I know most of us are lazy and I'm like, where's the link at? So I'll put the links down. Love how we went from delete social media if you want to, but here's mine. Yes, here's all of mine. And here's my social media campaign to get a sequel for my book. Right, exactly. It's it's such a double-edged sword, I feel like, with social media, but I digress. Um, anywho, thank you so much for taking time again and chatting. Um, definitely, um, everybody go get the book, um, All That's Left in the World. It's on my to-read list, which grows and grows over the days Everything, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> mine too i have entire like physical stacks and then i have a kindle too so set, oh my god yep i have They're physical gonna... kindle and audible so i'm like between yes. three i'm here for it and i am one to um be prepared for not spam but like usually when i finish book i'm like hey <laughs> that was great beautiful not saying if I don't do that and I forget, I thought it was horrible, but I usually <laughs> circle back to authors and they're like, hey, I really like this. Good job, friend. So if I don't hear anything, you hate it. Yeah, of. I hated it. It was the worst book I've ever read. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I doubt that. No, I'm like, I love the cover. It was so pretty. <laughs> it's like when you see an ugly baby and you're like, oh, the shoes are so cute. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anywho, thank you so much again. Um, stay safe Thanks out for there. Me. Of course. Bye-bye now. Bye. Such a great conversation with Eric and super excited for his book that's now out in the world for everybody to just enjoy. Let's go through my bookie here. Let's see. Um, Each human action can be an exercise towards enlightenment. That's pretty good. Pretty good one. Let's find another. When in doubt, listen to your inner voice. That is also a very good one. Be sure to ponder those over. And if you need extra meditation time, go check out either one of my sassy meditations that I've done in the past or last week's episode, which was for mental health month. And it was a full episode of meditation. Go do that. Um, If not, you can start small and start with this week's Meditation Minute. Well, that's all I have for you this week. Thank you again to Eric J. Brown for stopping by and chatting. Be sure to go get be sure to go get his book. I'm a professional. All that's left in the world out now. I will put the links down below. Again, thank you, Eric, for um, taking time to chat. Speaking of taking time, it is still Mental Health Month, so be sure to take time for yourself and your mental well-being. And yeah, slay the day away. Okay. Follow me <laughs> at Sir Stephen Rice on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, even TikTok at Sir Stephen Rice. Again, I'm going to put the links. They're all down below. Check out Murder Mondays, which should be making a return here sometime. Go check out all of Eric's socials and goodness, which will also be linked down below that's our generation and again really honestly it is mental health awareness month um and i talk about it a lot but i do want to reiterate it be sure to check in with yourself and you know do what's best for you 
And if that means listening to every single episode of Sunshine Steven over and over, <laughs> thanks. Anywho, please be safe out there and wash your hands. And until next time, have a fantastic day.